Why is there a man in that torpedo? There are men and women in all those torpedoes, Captain. I put them there. Who the hell are you? A remnant of a time long past. Genetically engineered to be superior so as to lead others to peace in a world at war. We were condemned as criminals, forced into exile. For centuries we slept, hoping when we awoke things would be different. But as a result of the destruction of Vulcan, your Starfleet began to aggressively search distant quadrants of space. My ship was found adrift. I alone was revived. I looked up John Harrison. Until a year ago, he didn't exist. John Harrison was a fiction created the moment I was awoken by your Admiral Marcus to help him advance his cause. A smokescreen to conceal my true identity. Do you expect me to talk? episode 56 of Do You Expect Us To Talk? I'm your host, Becca, and join with me as always are Chris and Dave and special guest Charlie from Films on Wax. How are you? Films on Wax? Are you sure? No. <laughs> yes, um, there's been a bit of a, a change. Has Can you tell us, Charlie? <clears throat> yeah, um, we are officially now called Movie Drone. As oh, Movie to- Drone, it's official now, is it? As of today. As yeah. of a few minutes ago, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> all right. I remember that name from a while ago. I was going to say, wasn't that like something that was on BBC Two at one point? Yeah, Movie Drome. Movie Drome. Yeah, it's a yeah, play which, on words. Yeah. Oh, right, sorry. Whereas, yeah, if, if you read my blog post, I basically explain it in there where the whole name came from and, and why. Anyway, because, joined by Charlie from Movie Termin- Drome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the Terminator and shit. <laughs> Which means his first viewing of the Terminator was exactly the same time and evening as mine. Mm. Wow! And so, How about that? So the, so the cut. Yeah. Fun fact, folks. That's about the only time tonight we'll be saying that's fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is. Um, Why have we got no this fun? This is going to be absolutely today? monster of an episode because this is probably one of the most controversial films in the reboot series, if not in the Trek series as a whole. Is, is it controversial though? Like. No, it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of the fans were sort of like, what? What are you doing? You know, they didn't, you know, they sort of reviled it in the droves. I'm sure listeners are like really surprised that Dave feels this way about this. <laughs> <laughs> he kept it rather quiet until now. I'm, sorry, I'm sorry I kept my powder dry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll be more open in future, folks. So listeners, we're guaranteed at least a Dave rant and a Charlie rant. Which I'm looking forward to listening to. Yeah, to be fair, I've just been on Twitter t- talking about how it's a film for dumb cunts. Um, so I'm not convinced I've um, 
totally <laughs> taking our, our listener base with us. Anyway. So apologies to anyone who actually enjoyed the film. Uh, just... But Dave now... Officially... 86% of critics, Chris. <laughs> but Dave officially now a, thinks you're a cunt. This so. <laughs> high rotten tomato score. Yeah, but that's the weird thing, though, because like, everyone loved it when it came out. It was... Um... It was one of the odd things where I think they were just a bit blind to the, f- the obvious glaring flaws that the film had. Because I, 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 a lot I, of food stuff in the first one as well. Yeah, but uh, yeah, well, that's kind of true. Because I, I, I was really insane by the first one, but um, I remember coming away from it thinking oh, a bit like, why did that be Khan? Uh, wasn't that that was a bit shit? On the bit where like Spot shouts Khan and stuff like that, that was a bit crap, wasn't it? And people were like, yeah, yeah, but great, you know, Benedict, he's great, isn't he? He's really good. I'm like. Yeah, but hmm. that's not actually the character that he's supposed to be playing, though, is it? You know, that's kind of not what Khan is. Uh, yeah, and I, I just felt like, uh, no, okay. Fine. Chris, we were going to reveal that halfway through. Spoiler oh, alert. sorry. Sorry. Becca, tell us about who's in this fucking masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> it's Christoph Orson it playing Blowfield. Oh, sorry. Oh, that. no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> He's Franz Harrison. Oh, Franz Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> at, least I can say a pos- at least I can say a positive thing about Spectre. Is that <laughs> it's better than Star Trek Into Dark. Oh, it definitely is. <clears throat> yeah, there are pros and cons, but we've done them all before. Yeah, in case you haven't realised, we're talking about Star Trek Into Darkness. Oh, are we? I've just been yeah. slacking off beyond for five minutes. <laughs> Got my weeks I'm, mixed up. I'm looking forward to, to next time, actually, because it's mildly yeah, better than this. Starring Deep Breath, <gasps> Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Benedict Cumberbatch, whose name I got right, yay! Uh, Zoe Saldana, Alice Eve, John Cho, Anton Yelchin, Simon Pegg, Carl Urban, Noel Clark, and Peter Weller, if you can spot him. With a score by Michael Giacchino, script by Roberto Orsi, Alex Kurtzman, and Damon Lindelof, whose name I probably got wrong. Directed by JJ Abrams and released in 2013. What? Who does Deep Breath play? Deep Breath is deep, played by deep me going, breath. <gasps> he, was, he, he was he plays Keenzer, don't he? <laughs> deep Roy. <laughs> deep Roy. <laughs> no, there's so many people I try to pack in, so I have to be like, <gasps> blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, anyway. That's a subscriber-only exclusive, like, <laughs> like a packing in Deep Roy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, well, I suppose. Okay, so imagine you're kind of the summer 2013, you're going into this movie. What, what do you think? What would your, you know, pre-existing... Um, feelings be surrounding this film. Uh, well, I I enjoyed it going in. I did have reservations even from that. Uh, my main reservations were like, "What was... you booked your tickets?" <laughs> yes. Well, I saw it the <laughs> well IMAX. Well. I saw it in IMAX in uh, Manchester as well. But um, a midnight a midnight screening. Imagine that a midnight screening watching this. Uh, I enjoyed it on the first viewing, uh, but I did have. I mean, I, I was one of the few people who. Didn't think it was Khan because I just out of um, there was a bit. Of... They can't be that fucking. Stupid. Well, kind of. Yeah, I thought. Well, that's just really glaringly obvious, and like, and and didn't um, and didn't uh, uh, Carl Urban uh, say, oh, uh, make make it make a slip, and I thought, oh well, they they've, they've slipped up this. Oh, by the way, this film's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's like another it's like another villain. It's like, oh, okay, so it, it, that, that's probably who it is. That that makes more sense. I know. I don't know why everyone's getting more excited about. Oh, it's Khan, it's Khan. Well, you know, that, that, you know, that doesn't make sense. It's a bit kind of lazy. It's obvious, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then, then it turned out to be Khan. I was like, oh, oh, well, okay. That's a bit 
right, okay, that's a bit like meh, you know. And yeah, I just got I just got a little bit tripped up like, okay, well that's not the character that it's supposed to be and then they do the whole flip reversal with Kirk and Spock and then Spock yells Khan, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm not sure about that and uh it ended on uh, a fight sequence that's a bit bland and and the whole thing about the missiles and it's just like the magic blood and I was just uh yeah, I thought well, yeah, yeah, it's all. I mean, at the time, I was like, yeah, it's enjoyable, but you know, they're, they're problems. Uh, and now, the now I've come to watch the series and I've, I've um, discussed the Trek films with uh, Dave and Charlie <coughs> and Rebecca. <laughs> and now the oh, yeah. and, and and now it's just like, well, this is just a fucking Star Trek film at all, really. Uh, so all all you're left with is just a, a very fast paced sci fi action film. That has no resemblance to Star Trek, makes really, really dumb plot decisions, and I can understand completely why Star Trek fans were absolutely fucking love this film. Um, but uh, on the plus side, I kind of enjoy it. But kind of, kind of, yeah. I can't. I can never say it's a good film, but I, I'd say it's a. It's, you have it, certain caveats. It's it's enjoyable enough. It moves at a fast enough pace that you just kind of go like, what what was that? Move on next. It kind of just moves fast enough to kind of not care, but. When you analyse it, when you stop and look around, it's a bit um, okay. This is a bit stupid, but um, I'm sure uh, Dave and Charlie will <laughs> clarify their stupidness. I, I think we should have Becca next before we descended to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of similar camp to Chris, I guess. I mean, going in, this is Chris I saw is this film. Camp. Yeah, was... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Same kind of, you know. Unfortunately, I didn't see it in IMAX. I didn't see it in Manchester. <clears throat> um, print works probably. <laughs> Well, that would have been nice. It's one of the cinemas I'd like to get to, but that's beside the point. I've been there. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah you're, not, you're not missing much. If you've, if you've been to London, if you've been to like the BMI in London, it's like, yeah. The BMI? I must do it. The BMI. The BMI, sorry. <laughs> the body mass index in London. <laughs> yes. The yes. Get the BMI. Yeah, the BMI. In IMAX. Yes. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe that's something, a goal for the new year, perhaps. We'll have a go. Um but anyway, well, sorry. Um, no, yeah, obviously going into this film, it's obviously before I'd seen things like sort of Space Seed, um, Moth of Khan, any of that. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm quite hyped for the new this. Obviously, I'm a fan of Sherlock and Cumberbatch. So, okay, let's give this a go. Um, I remember sort of liking it when I sort of, you know, emerged blinking from the cinema. I think, oh, yeah, it was quite good. Um, and I kind of got that there was a lot of fan sort of hatred well not hatred but well yeah just well yeah it is hatred basically yeah, hatred. um yeah pretty much i, I don't like using it because it's quite strong but yeah there's a lot of vitriol directed towards this film um and i was kind of like okay well, i can i can appreciate why kind of even though i've not you know seen the films um but obviously now having seen that i can wasn't not being like a, a track fan as much as you, you are dave and charlie um but having seen it and knowing the you know, history behind it um i can understand why people already hate this movie um yeah, we were talking before we started recording about how I say I like things by saying it's a good action film. I'm going to say the same here, even though it's not. Um, I would cut. Yeah, it's it's watchable. Um, you can have it on in the background, and you haven't got to sort of think so think too much whilst watching it. I've become a batch fan. I'm sorry about that, anybody, but you can kind of say that about anything, though, can't you? You're just like That's you can have it, it on the yeah. background and not really pay yeah, attention to it. Dies, yeah, show it on the background. Yeah. Get ready for our review of Derek Jarman's Blue. Great action <laughs> film. <laughs> <laughs> show it on the background. It's all good. <laughs> you know, come back is quite. Good. I think he's. It is a really good sort of villain. Um, like Smaug is menacing and terrifying. He changes um, the scenery, doesn't he? Voice. But 
No, he does. He he does ham it right up. Um, but he does, does a bit of scenery chewing. Om nom nom. That's 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 the positive side of this film. Um, there's some nice cameos which I'll mention in my fun facts. Nimoy's also in this film. That's also something positive. Oh, that's about that's it. another thing I hated as well. Okay, I will get onto that. But I'm really yeah, scraping the barrel at the bottom here. Oh. So, anyways, let's let's go on to the next level of death to into darkness with Dave and Charlie. What do you guys reckon? I think that um, I, I was I worst went into, film I, ever. No, not at all. I mean, I went in the first time. It's not even the worst film in this series, but it is the one that angers me most because I went in to see this film. We'd waited four years for this. You've got like a new young crew. You've rebooted Star Trek, and you can go wherever you want. Not only did we wait four years while well, JJ went off and did Super 8 and um, Orsi and Kurtzman masturbated out a couple of um, Transformers scripts. You say that, Dave, but uh, masturbation is normally a pleasurable experience. Well, they probably enjoyed it. <laughs> they got paid for a start. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I went in positive, even even when I thought it was likely to be calm. I thought, well, let's go and see it for see it for what it is. And the reviews are positive, which either means I've got it completely wrong, or as I suspect, it's a film that gets worse the more you think about. It. And the end result was I came out thinking, well, what a letdown after last time. And the more I thought about it and the more I've watched it over the years, the worse it's got. And I think and I'm going to argue tonight, and I think I might be joined by at least one of you, in describing it as an objectively bad film. Now, you can enjoy what you enjoy. I, I mean no offence when I say that, but part of what makes any sort of podcast on films worth listening to is, is a strength of opinion. My opinion on this is very strong. I think this is objectively a badly written film. And when I was trying to get at why, why is it so bad? Why does it anger me so much? Because Nemesis isn't very bright and Insurrection's a bit boring and Search for Spock has got its pluses, but it looks a bit cheap. And there are there are films through the series that I just go, well, that's not great either. And, and to be honest, this is the sort of film that makes me want to be done with Trek because I'm getting towards the end now and I'm watching this and just thinking, can, I, can we do something else? The reason I think I'm annoyed with it is not that it's dumb. Fast Five is dumb, but it's really enjoyable, as is Fast Six for that matter. The problem with this film is it's dumb, but it thinks it's profound. The writers of this honestly think they're making some kind of, in, you know, a range of intelligent points and drawing intelligent parallels with the real world. And yet it's barely fucking coherent in places. The main characters are, are largely dislikable. We've got characters in the film. They've said it's not fan service, but there is no other reason for Carol Marcus to be there but fan service. There's no other reason for Spock to be there but fan service. Old Spock. The whole is. idea of Khan is fan service. Is fan and service, the whole idea it? of Khan, which we will get to, is fan service. And it's fan service that's only talking to us because within the context of the film, we will get to a scene later where the big reveal that he's Khan would, in context of the universe, be utterly meaningless to the person he's talking to. Because he says, I'm Khan, my name is Khan. Well, that's his first fucking name. I've, if I, it, It's a bit like, my name is Dave. And then, <laughs> dun! <laughs> and they go, oh, Dave, surely! <gasps> um, so no, not I, Dave. Ooh. I'll leave it there for now. This film is fucking... Spock has to speak to Leonard Nimoy and Leonard Nimoy says like he is the most 
uh, vicious ally. Yeah. Um... How did you beat him? I died. Cheers, that's helped. <laughs> it's two things firstly it's the fan service of showing us old, old Spock again but it's also the fact that the film has done nothing to sell us this guy at all so we need an original series character to come on and say yes he is really scary we can confirm that but we'll get into it as we get into it Charlie I would disagree with Dave on one point I think this is the worst Star Trek film I can think of just even tiny little moments in all of the other Star Trek films, even especially even the, the, the ones that they say are bad or the lesser ones um, that have more agreeable points than this. Um, I think it definitely is a bad movie. I think once you strip away the Star Trek trappings and the characters and all that, it's still a terribly dull action film. It looks really dull. Um, it's kind of um, whether they kind of did the whole drab grey thing to kind of indicate the kind of shades of grey moral whatever it looks terrible um, It's re- the, all the action scenes are pretty mundane and pretty boringly put together and like you said there's, there's no reason for it to be It's <clears throat> if they had done Space Seed that would be okay because Space Seed is... People only really know Space Seed outside of Star Trek fans um, because of Wrath of Khan. Because you look, you watch... Someone might watch Wrath of Khan because they've never seen any Star Trek before and then think and then learn it's a sequel to Space Seed go back and watch Space Seed. So I, have, I wouldn't have any problem of them redoing that. It's the fact that they had to do that and then they had to do Wrath of Khan as well. They had to put it all into one thing and squash it. And because it's completely different to Wrath of Khan in terms of the time period between Space Seed and Wrath of Khan and the time period here, which is about a day, it robs it of any emotional value. And on all of the emotional beats that it tries to pull off and fails miserably are completely based on a previous film. And yeah, it's just, we'll, we'll go along the way and kind of, um, but like you said, the two two leads are uh, incredibly dislikable. Um, a bloke called Khan, who's called Khan, and it's like, okay, well, that might as well have really... been fucking Imran Khan. Well, it's the fact that they they they, <laughs> they, they do the thing and they, and they make the whole point of it, and kind of he's got the close up and the music. He is my name is Khan. Dave. And it's like, what? Steve Khan. Who, who cares? Um, because again, they're playing on something. They're playing on the existence of another film. But if you if you take Khan out of it, I don't mean take Khan out of it. But if you take out the history with it, yeah. What what is the point of doing Khan? What is it about Khan? He's a three hundred year old man, and he was a former leader of a large part of the globe. So even if you took out the fact that it's riffing on a previous film and the fact that they've cast completely the wrong person to ever play a part like this, what is the relevance of his of him being 300 years old? That's, that's, that's the thing. That's the thing as well, is that this Khan's whole deal happened years and years and years and years before the Kelvin, before yeah. this yeah. whole this whole branching thing where this timeline was supposed to go on. 
but now he's some super weapons designer guy. It's like when went back, he was a prince. He was this great charismatic leader, all this, and now he's de- he's designing weapons for Robocop. But there are and, inter- um, there are interesting ideas there to be discussed if you wanted to, because the world in this era has one government. There yeah. is basically a world government. Well, how do you represent such a diverse planet with one government? Well, the only way that's ever been done with large parts of the planet is basically conquering. Mm. Um, and so there's different ideologies there to be looked at. And Khan is at once superior to to the cast of the original series and inferior because he's far more intelligent. But in some respects, he's a savage by comparison. Yeah. And that is fascinating. And there is room for further investigation of that. But this is not being written by people who have the vaguest idea how to do it. So this, the first space we did that originally with kind of having the, the kind of the charming savage on the Enterprise and then having Kirk facing him. Um, but none of this is ever like that. He's just immediately presented as this amazing guy who is designing super weapons and the starship called the USS Vengeance. <laughs> and oh, it's, it's, uh, it's a shit. Which has <laughs> no fucking logic. I don't care how big his fucking brain is, but you desperately need like the best starship you've ever described, you know, designed. What should we do? Get that bloke from 1996. <laughs> He'll sort it out. And then he builds it and you go, well, basically, you've just built the same thing with a cover over the deflected dish and a bit bigger. <laughs> well, thanks, then. I think it's very telling that, it, that his ship isn't actually, you know, it's not referred to as Botany Bay. They didn't even put that name on it, on his ship at all. I think that, that's quite telling as well. They think, oh, OK, well, we, we ticked all the boxes. Yep, got Khan, yep, got Karen Marcus, yep. But they didn't actually call it Botany Bay. It's like, hmm. Yeah, Karen Marcus, why is she in there apart from that bikini shot? No fucking point in this film at all. And she's suddenly British. Yeah, yeah what's going on there? I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, props to Alice Eve, but it's like, well, why, why is she in this film? Just because, because. Yeah, and obviously she can do American one. accent as well, so there's no reason why she she can't just be American in this. Yeah, as well. she is British though, isn't she, the yeah, actress? Yeah, she is British. Yeah, uh, she is. Yeah, she is British, um, I believe. I think, she might, I think she might be kind of... Like her, I, her, I think she might be like a national American as well. Like might have like dual passports. I think, remember. But anyway, yeah. Um, well, her hmm. parents are Trevor Eve and Sharon Moore. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Trevor Eve from Waking the Dead. And Sharon Moore from she's the string. coming she's for string. a yeah, coffee. Oh god, yeah. Oh her? Oh really? Yeah. Oh bless her. Okay. Giles. Oh, we're from... assuming her father's Trevor Eve, and not you know. Not Giles from Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not him from the coffee and the Kenko advert. <laughs> oh, yeah, her parents are British, so it's possible. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, why is she there? I don't know. There's been I don't know. We'd have to get into the detail. She, she won the but, role. Yeah. She, she, <laughs> That's yeah. how she got it. I, 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 guess just, I guess just no thought was given at all. Because I. In anything. Because if, even if you like, look, you just rebooted the franchise, you've done this whole Powell um, different timeline. You could literally go wherever you want, you know, as you can do whatever you like in this new Star Trek mm. universe. I know we'll get we'll do Khan again. Okay, fine. Okay, well if we're gonna do Khan, let's do something. You know, let's let's change things around. Okay, so to you've got Khan, who's the same character. So 
So what would happen then? Um, he would uh, be that's changed the way uh, he 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 was he was discovered and like let's sort of like do something interesting in that let's let's possibly make Khan uh, work like actual working with Federate like work with the um, with with Kirk and all, and all that make him kind of like a relative um, untrustworthy uh, good guy uh, you know, for for the series and you know we can sort of build up something interesting and different there no no just have him as a bad guy okay. Great, and it doesn't mean make sense. He isn't even fitting as a character that makes sense to what Rafa Khan, what, what used to be in Space Seed. It just doesn't make sense. That's what always tripped me up about this film was the fact that the characters just do not match. The way that Bennett Cumberbatch plays it to what the character actually is is not the same guy. It just boggles me. There's no connected tissue to that whatsoever. And then putting it together with. Um... The Admiral Barker's thing, which has a fake interest, especially kind of relevance as well at the time with all the mass weapons, weapons of mass destruction, that kind of thing, and, and the kind of the Iraq war and all that kind of thing. Um, and that whole th- that whole thing kind of has a, has a vacant interest, but it just introduces him as this guy and doesn't really give, kind of give him any kind of backstory. Is there something about? His wife being killed by Klingons or something like that. Oh, fuck it, fucking God only knows. But the fact is, they've got him flying the ship as well. Yeah, that's, that's the dumbest thing I've seen since the president led the fleet in Independence Day. They they, they don't even like uh, explain why he he wants to be war. He just he just wants that's he just wants a war because he it's likes inevitable. war. There's no actual like, well you know, plot divide or a story or backstory that tells us like this is why you know. There's no reason for. The characters do anything. It's just. Shall we discuss this shit <laughs> sequentially? Uh, Why not? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. Okay, we've got a question actually. Um, Carl Wanders uh, on Facebook said to us, "In honor of the holiday season, is there anything positive you can say about this film?" Now he says, "I really like the score," which means we can't mention the score because he just has. And I even meant we can mention the score, but not in answer to this question. And I even like the setup until Harrison uh, Khan uses the magic transporter. Well, the reason I've brought the question up now, and we don't all have to answer it now, is I've got two things. Firstly, um, Bruce Greenwood. Uh, yep. Apart from the fact he's grown some really weird mutton chops. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he has good hair in this movie. Secondly, he's gone all rockabilly, isn't he? I'm not the biggest fan of 3D, but the thing that was certainly true as of May 2013 or whether it's whenever this came out, that this was the best retrofit 3D I've ever seen to this point. I ended up seeing this in 3D and this opening sequence is extremely well done. And it was the first time that that actually retrofits looked like they could be done as well as um, natively shot 3D. So that answers Mike. That answers the question for me. I think it's very well paced. I mean, it doesn't like sort of stop to make you think. You know, it's just as fucking well, really, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's an to easy watch. I will say, I mean, Bennett Cumberbatch does play a good villain in terms, of, you know, just a good like general sneery villain. Uh, the main issue is it's not the character he should be, but there you go. Um, I actually think uh, Chris Pine's actually pretty decent in it. It's just that he's just not is. He's got given nothing to do. It's it's the, it's what the script provides him with that shit. It's not necessarily his performance, and I think despite that, they've really been... doubled down on Kirk being a wanker in this film. <laughs> they really have. Um, I mean, they make him a bit of a womanizer in the last one, so this time he's got to be having threesomes and shit. 
just like, <laughs> oh, we, we start with this sort of sequence on a planet, and it, and it is exactly, on the one hand, I like that they address it, but, like, it's telling us exactly what we knew four years before. Kirk is not ready to be a fucking captain. So they've got this really stupid sequence where he's immediately breaking this prime directive. He's pissed this race off, this primitive race off in their holy place. And we start off with this very Raiders-like tra- chase sequence. That's the whole thing that is kind of, I don't know, what, what did you steal? I don't know. I got They were all bowing to it. It's like, really? What is wrong with this person? And we're supposed to what? Well, how are we supposed to think of this 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 person as they've just stolen? Yeah, he's a lad. Isn't so, he? so, so, what what is it? I mean, I mean, we get the the main thing that 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 gets me is why the fuck is the Enterprise underwater? But um, like, um, I mean, I, I guess that that he stole it because they needed a distraction uh, so they can fly into the volcano. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, see. I reckon that that was the whole purpose of it. So they took he took something that was important that they needed to chase after it. Uh, and then he, that's why he leaves it, and then jumps off into the sea. But the whole, the whole notion that Enterprise being under underwater is like, okay, we 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 got to be discreet. It's like, well, why? What stopped me just from being in space, just like like I've seen every other Star Trek film? Like <laughs> that that was that was one of the big question marks that everyone had when we saw the trailer, and we saw the Enterprise was underwater. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the big kind of omens. One one thing that stuck out to me is later when Pike is um, remonstrating with with Kirk and Spock um, you find out that this whole thing was the was just supposed to be a recommission but they decided to go in and save the world so why is Spock spouting about the Prime Directive now when he agreed to be part of it in the first place by doing this thing well, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> there it is. There it is. But you'd be, like, be like right. It. I mean, you've he just, would be like... Just fundament- you have just completely replicated Roberto Orsi's thought process. <laughs> oh, no needs of the many or some shit. Put a line from And, I mean, I, when I made my notes, uh, well, what, what I did is I put... A positive and a negative column. And I only managed to get, I only managed to get four th- four things in the in the positive uh, column. But one of those was the the, the, the weed planet, kind of cool, the planet they were on, yeah. and that kind of the, the original sh- like birds I shot of them and of the, the planet then going down. So that was that was interesting. And then, but then it's just head desk stupid. Why is the Enterprise underwater? And when Spock... How did he get there? <laughs> I'd, I'd like to hear a complete list of these points. And the next one about, is about Spock. When um, <clears throat> when, when Spock uh, knows the shuttle's got off and he sees that big wave and he decides that he's about to be killed, he makes the most ridiculous martyr pose ever. <laughs> yeah. <And> he <you> <laughs> should have just done a Jesus Christ pose, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because you know serenity and shit. Yeah, yeah. God, this film um, by imbeciles. Um, yeah. So they end up saving Spock, saving the planet. No, yeah. Oh, what the hell? They won't even notice, even though they've now seen this flying craft. And we go into the credit sequence, which struck me at the time as being like the laying down of a formula, the Bond-style pre-title. Yeah. I, quite, I did quite like that shot where 
they they draw the picture of it and then it kind of fades out cross fades to the the uh, the ship in the same sh- in the same position that was yeah. quite good and yeah. the music was really good that's one thing i agree with carl about is yeah. is the music is is good but um yeah i don't think we've got any complaints with that at all it's an absolute formula um and the only way it's different in Star Trek beyond is they don't actually have a title well why is this film called into darkness by the way like uh, uh i don't know what relevance does it have to anything well, I, 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 I haven't said that. I'm not sure why Beyond has any reference to anything, but at least it sounds a little bit Star Trek-y. But... Well, so... I suppose for that one, you've got... Because it's the 50th anniversary. It's the anniversary movie, isn't it? So I suppose the code, beyond, you know, to... Somewhere. To Beyond, you know, into the... Into yeah, because, you know, they've got to touch the darkness <laughs> and shit to, like, learn about the positivity and shit and fucking... <laughs> so, I guess, well, it... I guess, straight from them to... Um... It sort of comes to the, um, like the brink of death. Oh, much. it goes from the that. Doctor Who guy. Uh, yeah, it goes straight to no, no Clark. whatever he's no got. Clark, yeah. yeah. He's got a poorly daughter. Mm. She's dying. Don't worry, they can cure death, it's all right. You fine, but you sleep. <laughs> that movie illness, I like it. Yeah. I'll die of that. It doesn't look too painful. And he offers to save him in return for basically doing him a favour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by 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 causing mass murder, essentially. Basically, he ends up becoming a suicide bomber to blow up part of Starfleet in London in return for having his daughter saved by Khan's blood. I'm sure that won't come up again. <laughs> but here's, I hate but here, here's a here's a quick question though. Like, okay, so Khan's given her blood. She's taken it. It's worked. So he goes, "Well, we'll have to go and do this thing then." So what's to stop him from like actually walking in and going like, uh, sorry, this guy's just outside. He's just told me to blow up, blow up the place. Can you? Like, yeah. I think you should like arrest him. Yeah. <laughs> or send my daughter after him because she's now fucking super. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. We'll buy into that though. I've seen worse setups for a film. Yeah. And again, okay. the sequence is not bad. Mm. The, the music really helps it. Um, and then you get the Beastie Boys again while Kirk is having a threesome. With two alien ladies. Uh, this genuinely <clears throat> offends me in the characterization of this Kirk. I must say, I don't like having obviously seen some you know original episodes, um, episodes of the original Kirk. series, and it's like, well, no, this is. I mean, he was a bit of a sort of like ladies' man, but he wasn't like sort of I don't know James Bond kind of style womanizer. You know, two or three girls on the trot every film. And it's like, mm, really, I don't think Shatner would approve. This Kirk is a moron. It was an absolute stupid moron, and you, you, this e- even more. You under you start to wonder why he even got a captaincy in the first place. Uh, yeah, well, we we are about to deal with that. And that's obviously the yeah. next. He, he's in the he's in Pike's office. Pike's doing his best, you know, Everdale farm impression. <laughs> <laughs> Mister Wilkes or whatever. <laughs> and, um, he's giving him shit and again Kirk's behaving like a child at the oh. headmasters what have we yeah. learned never trust the Vulcan it's like that's a captain talking is it it's really really pathetic. yeah he's like he's behaving sure. you, you told on me <laughs> you tattertale and considering the, the film again tries to build a point that these two are best of friends and uh, at the end we'll, we'll be mourning what happens what happens to Kirk because and then Spock will be like oh yeah we're such great friends 
And he's yeah. treating them like that and being a prick. He told the truth. <laughs> so they bust him back. That they, he, he, he gets Spock to leave. He talks to Kirk. Kirk is a really petulant dickhead here. And he ends up being relieved of the captaincy. Now, I wish I'd set a stopwatch going at that point. This could be the, <laughs> the shortest demotion of all fucking time. <laughs> In fact, Charlie started watching it less than 10 minutes before me because we were chatting online. And I think he got the captaincy back on Charlie's version before he lost it on mine. <laughs> Which is just pathetic. The idea of starting a film and taking the Enterprise off Kirk after the second film, after by the end of it, after the end of the first film, he only just got it, just seems a little bit, well, what's the fucking point? What's the point in giving him the captaincy? It's like, it's literally just what... And then just to give him straight back, Grown it's like... adults have sat in a room and discussed this as a fucking part of the flow of this film. At that point, he ought to lose the captaincy. Right, okay, then what? Then we give it right back to him. <laughs> it, 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 so he goes straight to a bar. He's immediately about to go on the cop again because this cook's a fucking sex addict. It, and it's at, it's at the bar as well. So it's like literally like what happened yeah. in the last film. You know, yeah. he, he goes he, he goes drinking, hit, hit, hits on a girl, then Pike walks in, gives him a pep talk. You know, pretty much the same thing. And he's been told he's first officer. Uh, that's a well-played scene. It's a stupid scene, but they both play it very well. And then they're called back to... Um, but and that's then a film you'd rather they... like to see, Dave, isn't it? Pike is uh, captain and... Oh, definitely. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, they, they actually, you know, again, we've, we've had these points online, people saying to us, would we want to see that or what would we feel about it? Yeah, absolutely. Give, give this to Bruce Greenwood, you know, let, mm. let's do something different. But of course, they're now called in, they get a message to come in to reenact The Godfather Part 3. And they're, yeah, they're called in to discuss this incident. And it's just basically a ploy to get Khan to attack them. Again, this is another amazingly stupid thing that exists solely for the coincidence of the plot where <clears throat> you've just had this huge terrorist attack on something that we that the, the, the stuff the knows that was not an archive but was actually the secret and nice. development thing so what do they do they get everyone that's important in starfleet get them in one room with windows yeah. With no visible defense. The other thing is, if I wanted to build, like, I mean, did you not have Skype back then? I mean, I'm sure, like, <laughs> back then. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um. Uh... <laughs> well, if I was going to build, you know, top secret weapons that I didn't want people to see, I didn't want the blueprints getting out, and when I finished them, I've got to transport them somewhere. Yeah, central London. Where this super secret archive is hidden underground, why couldn't they just go there to to a place like that? They must have. If they've got one clandestine facility like that, they must have a ton of them. Well, during um, the war in this country, they had the fucking cabinet rooms. Yeah. So they'd have their meetings like underground in London, not exactly on floor fifty fucking two. And also, where 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 is actually Starfleet security as well? Were they not able to sort of like alert that to this? Rogue space shot coming in to, directly to Bear in mind, this is an organisation that's got shielding technology. <laughs> and transparent aluminum. <laughs> Clearly. No, glass windows. No 
fucking hell. And then, <laughs> and then Khan turns up and effectively Star Trek is changed forever in the next two minutes because you can beam to the Klingon homeworld. <laughs> that's, that's another thing, right? If you can beam onto another fucking planet from, 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 from one planet to another and you can beam onto onto a, a starship that is going in, that is on like... Uh, but what what was it called? It goes dead fast. Transwarp. And you know, it on and warp. You can actually beam onto a captain. He's got dead fast. <laughs> Sorry, the name escaped me. I couldn't. I couldn't remember dead what it was called. Um, dead fast factor ten. Yes. <laughs> I really want to go really fast, but but how? how what, if they can do that, then why can't they fucking transport uh, Spock out of a fucking volcano? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Wakes up and finds he's in the beta fucking quadrant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this film is so stupid. So they've immediately made um, starships obsolete. Uh, Kirk is immediately captain again. <laughs> so that was a completely uh, pointless plot point. And the only thing that even gives this scene any credibility at all, fantastic death sequence from Bruce Greenwood because he plays fear. He plays all the emotions you imagine you'd feel. He runs the whole gamut, doesn't he? Pretty much. Yeah. Actually, yeah he, he's one of the he really few ground. positives in this film. Yeah. I think. No, he does. He, he does really well in this. He has a funky hairdo, but um, no, he has a real conviction. I think. Um, and he's one of the the few um, highlights in this movie. I reckon. It's a shame we didn't have more of him. Really, could it would have been nice to have like a little side character hang around in the in this timeline. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame they kind of had to do what they had to do. So it would have been good, to, as I say, to kind of see more of him. But there it is. Such is life. Yeah, could have just wound him again. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, oh. right. <laughs> Next film, he's walking with two sticks. <laughs> well, going, it's got... just a flesh wound. He got better. Yes. Yeah, so well, this is it. Like, actually... We were joking that they managed to cure death with this film, but yeah. actually, they they couldn't they couldn't save him. So you know, they haven't yeah. cured it yet, though. No, no. At that point, no, they had. Guys, just beating any tribbles. The Klingon home world. Yeah, they did its tribbles so far. Yeah, and they get the Admiral Robocop. Who's got his special, amazing stealth secret ship on his desk as a model? <laughs> you think someone would go? What's that? Then? The, that the camera actually focuses on at the end to say, "Ooh, symbolism." Basically, just basically a big black enterprise. That's all it is. Yeah, and then just say, and then just basically abandon every kind of Starfleet regulation and moral code, so they can go and uh, assassinate. Yeah, and did anyone else hear George W. Bush where they fly off and he's like, let's go get this son of a bitch? <laughs> oh, yeah. What the fuck are we watching? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, there's a bit of a WF going on there, isn't there, I think. But... Well, it's just idiotic. They've uh, we've, we've been told that, you know, they, they've got to go to Kronos, which is misspelled in this film, but they've got to yeah. go there. And they've got to basically assassinate him. And they've got they've got to take possessions of all these, like, torpedoes to like fire at him or something which makes no sense and if you go back and watch space seat i'll get the number slightly wrong but it's something like there are 84 of them hmm. and when they go when they get them out only 72 have survived and the writers of this who are supposedly such big star trek fans have only remembered the 72 yeah maybe they're a bit of a but they retconning going on i don't know but also um, in this who yeah. can speak klingon she doesn't have to look through all the different di- uh, diaries. Different um, diaries? <laughs> dictionaries, sorry. 
No, but I mean, she goes, really the diaries, last yeah. film, she's a linguist in this timeline. I, I'm quite happy to give it a pass, but no. I just think this whole plot has lost me immediately. And as soon as they go to fly on to the sort of uh, Klingon homeworld, they've got, um, well, it's it's very, very reminiscent of the scene he later does in The Force Awakens. Well, the whole thing is, is kind of reminiscent as well of the Empire Strikes Back and the asteroid field, especially when it when the, the ship, which coincidentally kind of looks like the Millennium Falcon, has yeah. to go sideways to be able to fit in that little space. Yeah, I was just thinking of The Force Awakens where she was flying it around on Jakku. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that really made me laugh a lot was they spent all this time going, he's on Kronos. Yeah, he's on Kronos. He's on an area of Kronos. It's uninhabited, but he's on Kronos. And then they get there and the, the title card comes up, Kronos. <laughs> just in case you're not sure. <laughs> yeah, just in case you haven't been paying attention. Um, how you spell Kronos either, but anyway. Sorry. No, no, it's Kronos with a Q. Yeah. Um, Simon Pegg has resigned. Simon Pegg is terrible in this film. But he it's like, but it's I'm dictated to that I need to know what's in these before we take them aboard. It's not safe not to. You have to. I resign. All right then. It's like okay, that was easy. Okay, you all need to fucking grow up a bit. <laughs> I mean, it, it it does show that Scotty is standing by his principles, though. But he only has to because the captain's a bell end. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I mean, this is just ludicrous. I can't buy the inexperience is one thing, but this is idiocy. Yeah, it's like they, if they can let Kirk on without having his medical, they could surely, can, you know. But but also, I think the thing, the contrivance with um, the contrivance with Chekhov, I think, because mm. it wasn't there some kind of like a running fan joke, or like fan theory, um, about why he wasn't in. Obviously, you know, he wasn't into the point, the series, and Space Seed sort of came along, um, and basically in this film, obviously, you, you don't see him interact. Um, with Cumberbatch too many times um, and it's kind of it's, it's, yeah it's kind of like an on, a, a, you know a, a running joke sort of a running um, fan theory that's probably the cleverest thing they've ever actually written in the film then isn't it well yeah I don't know that's kind of I was kind of doing some researching for the fun facts um, that's the only thing I can surmise but by that think anyway think about what you've just said there Becca we've reset this universe so they can do whatever they want and they still go back and, and screw they've it up. gone straight into contrivances to try and get around Things that weren't quite consistent the first time round. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> also, the bird of prey looks crap. Yeah, I, 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 I thought it just looked kind of just looked like a big hunk of metal. Just like okay, well, it's not very from, unimaginative. From a design and... standpoint, you think of the original bird of prey, and just just all the, the ships that were kind of designed in Star Trek and kind of they had a very specific look to them, and this one has a kind of vague shape of a bird of prey. But it just looks like it has wings. A metal hedgehog with wings. Metal hedgehog. <laughs> it's poor. This film is shit. Well, what, what do you think of the Klingons in general? Like the design of them. Do you, did, did I you was like okay. The Klingons are a bit bland, aren't they? I, well, I was personally okay with it. I thought that you know they have been redesigned two or three times now. And they get along the same lineage. I thought the design wasn't really my problem. I thought that's okay. Is this the first time we've ever seen them like wearing? Helmets, or obviously seen like an armor and everything. Their heads and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I do. They, they were cut out of the, the last one, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. Yes, they fell on the cutting room floor. And they did literally reuse those uniforms and stuff that they oh, made. Okay. But Fun I fact. mean, it was fine. It's just pointless. I don't know what it's there for. I don't know if you're setting up a sequence for the third film because as, as a pretense for war, this is fucking pointless. It's just one scene in order to go. Oh look, the Klingons—they look pretty cool. 
And then John Harrison comes out and kicks their asses. Well, so it's as the same with um, Ned Nimoy. It's quite just a reason to shoot all the men. It's like, okay, right, okay, so we've got Caramarcus check. You know, I'll just let you go to the checklist well, of things they have to do. You can't arrive on the Kronos and, and not have Klingons. So you just no, put that's Klingons fine, in. But I, I don't understand that. I don't know. It's a pretense for war. But at no point are we sold that. I mean, if you get right in their faces, they're aggressive. Yeah. But we but we've seen the no acts of aggression from the Klingons at all. At no point are we sold that they probably did the terrorist attack or anything. Yeah. yeah. They just it's just a way to get Harrison back on the ship. This whole bubbling under of wars inevitable is never sold to us once. Hmm. Well, there's no, it's no there's no consequences to that action as well. You think normally you make a decision to do that. You think okay, well, there's consequences. So they've actually sort of essentially sparked off war with the Klingons. Now they have to, now that's something that this film has to deal with. But they just we're still in an era that's got a neutral zone. You shouldn't even have these people on Kronos. Yeah, that's the thing. The, the ship comes out of warp right outside the planet. So you've they've got, got their... no scanning technology. They've no idea. You know. Yeah. You, in, yeah. In, in really, you should have Klingon ships surrounding the Enterprise. State your purpose. Yeah, but again, again, because it's, it's like they've, they've got Praxis there. Did you, did you notice that they've got Praxis blown yeah. up already? Yeah, and again, it's, it's just so they can go. Oh, look, it's Praxis. Yeah, so they can. So Which the is actually going to get blown up in about thirty years after this. Yeah, so the fans can wank off. Yeah, yeah. So the whole Klingon thing just seems pointless. It's like why? It's like there's no. There's, it's given no reason why. Marcus wants to start a war, um, and then and and, the, and there's no evidence from the Klingon side that they really care. It's also making some point about um, Bush and uh, keeping us safe and preemptive strikes or something. Yeah, I, th- I think it needs to be stated that um, to anyone that doesn't know that, that Roberto Orci is what we call um, a nine eleven truther, in that he believes the government was responsible for nine eleven. That it was, and, you know, uh, yeah. Basically, those in charge will commit any tro- any atrocity necessary to advance their own agenda, which is what this film is trying to tell us, and that's yeah. what annoys me. It's dumb as shit and thinks it's being really, really profound. But again, it's kind of preachy as well, isn't it? It's like which is kind of what you don't like about Star Trek, but it's being something preachy. Yeah. What, what's what's good about science fiction is raising questions and sort of up for debate. It's like, well, you know, this could be it. This is this. It's basically telling you that. Um, giving giving you an actual opinion to believe in, rather than actually sort of raising a question that's up for debate, rather than like, well, you know, you know it's food for thought. It's actually so no, this happened, and this is and this is what I think, and fuck you, I'm right. Kind of opinion. Screw you. Yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> you know, which is which is kind of I don't know. It's not as it's it's, it's not really what I think Star Trek is about. It's a bit more a bit more like uh, like op- a bit more open. It's like okay, well, this is there's some food for thought. Have you you know you. What will take it on or not? You know, it's it's raising up interesting questions. You know, there, and there's just no subtlety in any of it. I mean, in a minute, where they talk about the missiles, and he says, "How many were there?" And he's told seventy-two, and he he pauses and goes, "I surrender." And I'm just thinking that is the most telegraph behaviour you'll ever see anywhere. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. But obviously, he now knows his family, his his people are in those in those pods. Why is uh, Marcus, like it's the whole idea of like I don't know we'll put like m- like give you these special kind of missiles. What's wrong with the missiles we got? <laughs> I don't know. They're 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 special, and the idea well, is like dis- there was d- designed the people to- inside them. 
They were designed to uh, to kill Khan undetected, weren't they? Right. Okay. Sorry. Why would you want to do it undetected? Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to give a pretense to any consistency in this film. But... <laughs> yeah, but it's just the idea of like actually putting people in in missiles. Just like okay, so the idea of what is just to kill off. Khan's crew by using those missiles, like it's like, well, why don't you just kill them off? <laughs> you know, while you have them, and just let Kirk just kill them in the regular. It's missiles. like the time we won World War Two by like you know firing Goebbels at Hitler. And then you've got um, Bones and uh, Carol Marcus, who we now know is Carol Marcus, going down to the planet, going down to a planet to like open one of these things. That's like another worst kept secret about this film. It's obviously John Harrison is Cotton. Yeah. And the fact that she's called Carol is just like yeah, Carol Wallace. Yeah, I don't believe that for one second. She serves no purpose at all. No. Except <laughs> to get down to her underwear in one sequence. That's it. Just for another, you know, Kirk's a perv. Also, you go down there to examine a missile. So you just send, I know, I'll send down the ship's chief medical it's vaguely poking away at stuff it's a bit like surgery yeah, right, yeah. Uh, that's right up there with getting like um, Marina to fly the ship in it it's like <laughs> who, do, who do we need for this job then mm. the most yeah, unlikely but, but, person would it be Scotty though you'd send Scotty or someone wouldn't you Oh yeah, of course the Scotty's on there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or anyone, just like a red shirt, you could just. <laughs> his 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 McCoy caricature is on is up to eleven in this one. It really is. Yeah, I've never been as fond of him as most, but yeah, that's the Carol Mar- Marcus point, and also to put a bit of attention because she's related to Admiral Marcus and she's on the ship. She's on one ship that's about to be fired on a bit later. That's a tenuous link. Uh, yeah, and then we've got uh, Khan, who's still John Harrison. And he's having to explain, and he ends up explaining who he is. And I, I, I look at it and I think, you're doing really good work here. His performance in the scene is excellent. It's better than the film. But so what? My name is Khan. Who's that? Who? <laughs> oh, you mean the di- what? You mean the Sikh dictator? That's clearly not you, then, is it? <laughs> <laughs> But just like you, th- you think about the character of Khan, you know, you think about if it was uh, Ricardo Montalban, you, you, you know, if he was delivering that line, he wouldn't just say "My name is Khan." He would, he would say "My name is Khan Nudin Singh." You know, yeah, he was. I, he I, was, I, yeah. I, I was a, you know, and you go in a whole monologue about yeah. like he's all, he's all about his family and his wife. And yeah. Well, not yeah. Not just but, I am yeah. Khan, as if all the importance rests on Khan itself. Just that, you know, a that, that, that You word. start kind of, to wonder for all of them claiming to be huge Star Trek fans. Would they know his full name without fucking looking it up? Mm. That's it, yeah. Would you know that he's Khan Union Singh? Mm. Pop quiz, maybe not. Yeah. He's just, he's just very too, like, like to me, Khan's a lot more like a, like a, for lack of a word, a bit of a gentleman, really. I mean, obviously, he's, he's vicious, but he has kind of got like a mild kind of. He's charming, isn't he? He's, yeah. He's charming, he's attractive, and. But with um, okay, back. Well, no, not, 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 not in that kind of way. You know what I mean? So <laughs> he got a nice chest on him. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, he does. But he's it, got that kind of charming aspect to him, and you are kind of what's the My word? Name I'm is Chesty. Movie <laughs> 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 <Ruby> McDuff. <laughs> sorry. Tits McGee. <laughs> <laughs> That's tickled me. I'm sorry. <laughs> so now he's calm, and we're all like. <gasps> Oh no! Oh no! Hey, I, let's hope nothing really silly happens, like 
a triple die so we can like test out the blood. A triple die to save us all. Fucking! Why are they do? Why are they even got a triple on the ship for? <laughs> Given that they're born pregnant, they should be fucking swimming in them within hours. <laughs> I was literally cause I, I couldn't remember what happened, and I thought, oh no, here it goes. They're just gonna, you know, appear everywhere. Um, but wasn't that that? Where he goes, what are you doing with that trouble? Wasn't that actually JJ's not fault, but kind of he, he wanted to insert that into the film as a kind of like oh, no, and it must box. be glued to the table because later on that ship's going to be battered all over the place. And that ship's going <laughs> to stay exactly where it is. It sits right there. So they, and then got a special. It died of the fumes from fucking Bostick. <laughs> Other glues are available. <laughs> Other glues are available. <laughs> oh dear! I'll just say my point about. Obviously, being attractive was that he's kind of like charismatic and sort of magnetic personality. But we're like with Cumberbatch as well. I mean, part of, well, obviously part of his appeal is his appearance, isn't it? It's quite a unique appearance as we all have. Um, but yeah, as I say, he's no, he's not quite not quite a Cardo Montalban. I guess the the thing is as well is that he does the same thing that all other villains do now is is they they need to for some reason villains can't be villains. They all need to have a super tragic backstory. There all needs to be something that they because like where Khan Khan basically cries when he's explaining about his seventy two torpedo mates. Um, I want uh, that as a series. Khan and seventy two torpedo mates, and they're all dressed in speedos. (laughs) And it's just like people can't be evil for evil or bad for bad's sake. Yeah, power. They can't be. They can't be greedy and, and stupid. They always have to be have some kind of. It's like I remember seeing Spider Man three with the Sandman, who was a deadbeat dad. My daughter. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like just make him want to rob a fucking bank. That's what people <laughs> do. <laughs> it drives you to. They decide they want a flash car. They don't have the money to do it, so they go and rob a bank. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah, it's not <clears> always, but it doesn't have to be because your circumcision went wrong. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it has no preference. To, it has no relevance to the rest of the film either. You know, it's just like I'm, I am this like angry well, kind it's of. It's supposed to be themes because Kirk is furious because um, Pike was killed and Pike was a father figure to him, um, and he's meant to be all confused about Admiral Marcus because Marcus was Kirk's uh, Pike's father figure and it's all about family and the way that like he sees spock which for no reason at all by the way um and that those are the themes that they're trying to draw together and think they've done a really good job with did you not see those rich themes chris no no (laughs) i i I saw i I, i've seen it uh the theme of um sticking of family in an action film Done better in Fast and Furious. And bear in mind, that's just Vin Diesel saying a family for like <laughs> two hours every three years. Yeah, but that does a better job, even though it hits you, hits you over the head with it. <laughs> well, you, you salt. They have a connection. Yeah, definitely. But you know, it's you know, this is the second film, and like you know, they're all bickering. It's not like you don't really get a chance to even like get like any attachment to him anyway. So the whole idea of you know building this as like a big close tight knit group of of um friends slash family it's is... just it's like when they go down to chronos chris they've got um they get on the ship but before they get on that little ship the fucking millennium falcon more hmm. of us it's a bit smaller and less impressive so we'll call it the saint falcon um <laughs> the millennium dustbin 
Yeah. <laughs> Malone does but spin out that one. He actually says to them on the bridge, he says, is it going to be a problem, you two? And I think you stood six feet away from them on a bridge in front of all their fucking crewmates. <laughs> Don't say it there, you knobjies. <laughs> then, he gets, then he gets them on the ship and they bicker. And then Spock goes in. And the thing is, the score to this film is very good. But I don't like it, and the reason I don't like it is, he, it can't. It's nothing. There's nothing wrong with it, but it has to. It has to play over such shit, because they're sat on the ship, and you got Spot going on about how he he mind melded with Pike and it taught him all about life and all this bollocks, and you got this plinky plonky score over it, and it it's like TV movie of the week again. <laughs> and it's just like he wouldn't say any of that. Don't be so stupid. And, and, you know, I'll tell you what it reminds me of. If you go and watch, like, the second Fantastic Four film, the Jessica Alba fucking abortion, <laughs> the world is about end, and we're supposed to care that our, big, that our special day's being ruined because of her wedding. And it's like, well, priorities. You've <laughs> got this supposed weapon of mass destruction, and, and she's going doesn't express his feelings and we're supposed to give a shit. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Plus you're dating somebody who sort of doesn't really do that. (laughs) So after, after what happens after they've can't revealed himself. Yeah. He tells Admiral. And everyone goes shock horror. And Marcus says, hand him over and they say, no. Yeah. Yeah. Basically they've engineered him to sort of, They've engineered the ship not to work just on the edge of the neutral zone. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, Scotty's managed to sort of just sneak on board undetected. Just, you know, somehow. Even though it's a, even though it's a big, massive secret <laughs> shit. Yeah, what the fuck was he wearing in that nightclub? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. A white shirt. That's the most unrealistic scene in the film because you actually could actually hear someone talking in a nightclub. Well, yeah, there is that. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, and he wasn't telephoned while he was sweatily trying to like pull someone. She's <laughs> all nightclubs are for, let's be honest. Yeah, so he sneaks his way onto the vengeance because it's this secret project right beside Earth. <laughs> <laughs> well hidden there, guys. <laughs> <clears throat> and they get attacked by the vengeance, don't they? Yeah, knocked out of warp. This is tremendously. Exciting. Yeah, they, don't they like sort of like uh, Kurt does a whole like yeah, I'm just going to be in carnival now, and then like go to warp, go to warp, go to warp. They did a whole sort of like sneaky ah, we've got away then, but then like somehow the vengeance has got super warp. Didn't they do that in Nemesis? I tried to block that out. We've gotten it already. What, what's, what's Nemesis? Really, because at warp, and then just, and then. He shot them to bring them out of warp. Yeah. yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong now, if you fire while in warp, wouldn't the fucking missile be slower than your ship? Yes. Yeah, wouldn't it, surely? <laughs> no, basically, I, you'd, you'd be months. wearing it on your windscreen. <laughs> <laughs> you probably would. you get hit by your own. <laughs> basically, you'd have to telephone the Enterprise and ask them to fire themselves. <laughs> 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 but did they have friends <clears throat> in space? <laughs> yeah, and that's a setup for another stupid fucking action sequence. Ugh. They do the fly across to it, which they try and imbue with all this tension. It's and it has of course. None. 
Oh uh, yeah, brilliant. You'll sort it out. I'm not. I'm really not worried. I do like the graphics during that scene, though. The visuals, I think, are, are really impressive. I, I, I thought they kind of. I thought, oh no, this is going to look really sort of computer gamey, and but no, it doesn't. It. I think it's it, busy work. They've got to get over to that ship and do yeah. a load of stuff when they get there. Exactly. And the film's bit... big action sequence is them getting over to it. Sure. That, think, that's hey, like hey. if at the end of Nemesis we'd had like 15 minutes of data fucking floating through the air. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and Khan saves him. So you know, and uh, you know, we keep being told the odds are ridiculous and all the rest of it. But at no point is it sell- selling any danger. You got a Superman there; they'll be fine. Is, it, is this the bit when he phones Nimoy? He phones Nimoy while they're on the way, doesn't he? Yeah, and, and he says, "You know, did you ever encounter someone called Khan?" What's his, but then, what's, yeah, he says, "I'm, I'm not going to your timeline." <laughs> <laughs> I just said that really, sorry, I've got to get this off. Just, it really does upset me where it's kind of like, okay, we're not going to interfere with the timeline. You know, these at the beginning of the film, this, you know, um, tribal people, you can't interfere with their timeline. And they do it anyway. Oh, it just really, really pisses me off. I'm sorry, but it just got me so upset. Said, I'm not telling you any of this. That being said, <laughs> I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> well, what you do is you go into the chamber and you kick things repeatedly. <laughs> I mean, what use would he be? What did you do? Well, I died. Oh, we had this Genesis thing. What's Genesis? Too complicated to explain. And actually not particularly fucking relevant here. Fly into a nebula. What you do is you fly into a nebula with the technology to create a planet out of the fucking matter in that nebula. All right, that's helpful. Then what? Then I die. And then you fire me off to the planet and he gets all like shitty and blows up. There is nothing Spock could have said. What the... what it is telling us for those it's for people who've never seen the wrath of khan to tell us yes we we can confirm this guy is really bad and really dangerous because the film can't do it yeah because the film so it's got to get a cameo from someone to tell us that and it may as well be spock just for the sheer nostalgia value despite the fact they'd handed the baton off in the last film he is not needed here it just feels that it, oh, i always feel like it should look like there should be some sort of da, 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 when he comes on like some sort of like acknowledging fan service like so. i think they should have used the track from happy days <laughs> And he should have gone, hey, Mr. S. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking big cheer and round of applause. It's pointless. I, I, it's there for the sake of being there, and I, I, it, it does bug the crap out of me. And plus, also, just Spock wouldn't act like that as well. It would just, it's just the whole thing is just dumb. And when they get over to the vengeance, it's the funniest foley work I've ever seen or heard, rather. <laughs> Every time he fucking punches someone, it sounds like a fucking explosion. <laughs> I, I know he punches hard, but you got better do come about it. <laughs> all over the score, all over the soundtrack, it sounds awful. It makes you think, why did he bother saving Kirk? And, and, and also, have you seen how small those cargo doors were? Well, it's a new ship. It's still, it's, it, it's a new ship, Chris. It's still tight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll loosen up. <laughs> It'll be like big fucking shuttle bay doors in time. <laughs> it, this is, yeah, we've missed stuff out because it's easy to forget. They've, uh, Carol Marcus has been beamed back there by her dad. Which also make, makes it kind of pointless because you think she turns up and go, oh, I know, I'll be relevant to the plot. Uh, no. <laughs> no, she sits there and screams once. Great. So he gets his head crushed by, Gabriel Marcus gets his head crushed by Khan. Yeah. Uh, you know, some more explosive punches. 
He also doesn't he break her ankle as well or something. Is that when Khan takes over the ship and then and then I don't know some shit. <laughs> yeah. How does he beam into the brig? How, I can't remember. They want to. They want to. Kind of, he, he demands his people, so they beam over the missiles. Yeah. Ready to blow, but not the people inside it. They're still in. Um, they're still in suspended animation. Which, mm. which, how long that must have taken to get everyone out as well? You know, they've done really. They've done that really, really quickly. Get everyone <laughs> <laughs> missiles. Like, how many missiles were there? Like, Can you beam them over. Give us, a, give us a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. And, and, and also, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Bear in mind, these are all these are all described as genetically enhanced people, by the way. Which means there are seventy-two people with that magic blood on board the Enterprise. <laughs> Let's not forget that. But it's just his. It's just Khan's blood they need, regardless of that fact. Yeah, it, it does. It doesn't work when it's frozen. <laughs> if you if you think about it, it doesn't hold up. Just just after um, Kirk looks at page one hundred twenty-eight of the Haynes Manual for the, uh, <laughs> the Enterprise, manual. where it says step four: kick this bit repeatedly. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> It's been damaged, so we get a repeat of the Wrath of Khan, basically. But the other way round. Right down to the dialogue. Yeah, and he Big goes in. Is. Same with Scotty trying to stop him and all the mm. rest of it. And he goes in there and climbs up there. I don't know why they've built it like that. I don't, I don't know why they have radiation suits. Well, yeah, there's radiation <laughs> in there. If only there was something we could do about it. <laughs> Doc Brown's like... screaming at the cinema screen. Fucking hell! <laughs> Why was there no radiation seats? I mean, you could probably yeah. say that about Rafa Khan, I suppose, but... Well, they did. In Rafa Khan, in, in, in the original series, they would have radiation seats. There's special seats are there. They just ha- didn't have time. And because oh, right. Spock stole, stole the gloves from Scotty's radiation seat. He's, oh, he yeah. didn't have time to go through the whole thing, so he just yeah. grabbed the, the so gloves. Scotty was fine, except his hands fell off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> then the, just the way it's set out, he just goes in and kicks it repeatedly. I'm <laughs> thinking, <laughs> like, oh. I know he's trying to lead by example, so he's the cap. It's not that he's the captain. It's not that it requires anyone senior. I get all that, but it's like there there couldn't be a better microcosm of the two differences between the films. That you know, Spock is in there fixing something. Kirk is in there. Let's just kick it. Well, he's kicking it back in place, isn't he? That's the, that's what he's trying to do. Yeah, I know. But, yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's not like his TV's not working and he's thought, I'll kick it. But it's the same sort of thing. And then, basically, Kurt... Uh, it's doing the fun thing where he hits the jukebox and it works. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mr. S. <laughs> then he goes into the toilet and combs his hair. Uh... <laughs> And there is no reason. Now, bear in mind, this is all a plot of Admiral Marcus. So why would... <clears throat> firstly, why are Spock and Kirk having this bromance moment? They've not earned that at all. Secondly, why is Spock screaming at all? And third, because he didn't even he didn't even show any fear in the face of his own death in the in the, in the, in the, the Wrath of Khan. Oh, I hate that. And why, is he, and why is he screaming Khan? It just looks... <laughs> it, it, the thing is, though, it... it well, hey, well, it's a fan service, but it just looks terrible. I mean, 
It's one of those things where you think, oh no, there's a really good idea. Wow, well, Spock doing the whole car, doing the doing the shouting car thing. Okay, okay, let's try it. And they do take of it. Think, nah, it doesn't work, is it? Nah, let's just leave it. It's it's when it's when and th- and this this is the thing where it does become offensive because when Kirk goes, what I really wanted to I really really wanted to say was, you're my friend, and he's been a dick to him ever since they met each other and um, it's trying to use everything that was in Wrath of Khan and everything that had been built up by the original Star Trek for this moment instead of actually doing actual character work and actual writing when I saw it in the cinema um, and I just lit this one time in cinema and bear in mind I saw all three Star Wars prequels at the cinema as well is the one time where I physically put my head in my hands because oh something was so diabolically bad. He and means his ma- main head, folks. Shoulders. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not a massive Star Trek fan, but even I cringed at that. I was like, oh, God, I don't know. I just remember thinking, I didn't really hate this the first time round. As I say, it's it's grown against me, if you like, over the years. <laughs> but I'm sat watching it, and he yells calm. And first off, it looked awful, but I was like, that doesn't make sense. It's Admiral Marcus, isn't it? That's like Bond going, fucking odd job! <laughs> like, no, you've missed the point. Well, he's just had a pep talk about uh, Spot Prime about how he, how he needs to stop Khan anyway, so that's why he's like, Grrr. But no, he, they're actually... He wants to kill him, so he goes after him. But in the interim, they find that he's a cured death. <laughs> right? A <laughs> cured death, there we go. The doctor has cured death with that triple that's been bossed to the table. <laughs> right? <laughs> so they get on the blower to, cut, to Spark, who's running in that awful fucking wig that's bouncing up and down. His hair does look considerably worse than this film. I think, obviously, rather than, like... I, I didn't think... This is going to sound really naive, but I kind of thought, like, he maybe he'd grown it and he'd grown it himself. Yeah. But it's quite obviously a wig. Um, I know, obviously, he had to shave his eyebrows and all the rest of it so that he could do it, you know, add them all properly. Yeah. But I just think that his head is looking a bit silly in the scene. I'm like, mm, not very convincing. The writers must know. They must know at this point because they've written it into the script that there's 72 people with, with blood with similar properties on yeah. the ship already. And they've obviously gone, oh, fuck it. They obviously don't know or don't care, which is which is my problem with these writers generally. They're either too dumb or they're too lazy. And it is don't know, don't care, one of the two. And so we, you know, we've got Spock over emotionally beating Khan, and it's just like, well, that doesn't. Neither character is served by this. I mean, if you think about it, what is Khan? He's he's like a military general. Why is he doing suicide bombing to start with? But yeah, they, they, they're, it's all to cure death. I just think this is embarrassing. This is just embarrassing. And at the same time, you've got the vengeance. You know, the vengeance is well, not the same time. Just before it, the vengeance has sort of crashed down onto Earth into a major city. Yeah, San Francisco. The Enterprise is following on, and it's all like, what point are you trying to make here? This was at like the peak. Well, well this is where it started to think like when blockbuster films were starting to be destroying major cities and in everything they did, and it was. You know, it it never at the time it never really bothered me because I just thought, oh, well, you know, and when when stuff like that happens, it, you know, it happens. But even watching this now, I think this is actually a bit unnecessary. I mean, like having it crash on a major city thing, or think of all those people. But like, what what's the reason for it to actually crash in the city? Why could it just crashed anywhere on a desolate field or something? Or 
there's no reason for it to actually to actually happen on a major city. It could have crashed in the sea. Could have crashed anywhere it wanted. You know, why'd it have to be a major city? It's just just like wasn't he aiming for Starfleet though? I'd, I'd, oh yeah, yeah. He was aiming <clears throat> for San Francisco once he knew he yeah. was coming I mean, out. I, of... I, I just thought that, that it was crashing anyway. I didn't know. I didn't realize he was, yes, he was trying to aim but it. He managed just to sort of point it vaguely in the right direction. Yeah, there is a, there is a line where he says, "A computer aim for Starfleet oh, because okay. a crippled ship will do that. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I feel like I'm always defending this. No, 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 no. You, you, you're not because end of the day, it was okay. Fine, that that explains what it is, but it doesn't sort of it doesn't justify the point of what why it's oh, there no, in yeah, the first yeah. place. You know, it's like it, it's well, it, okay, great. Why? You know, they wanted a you know a flashy fight, and you you beam Uhura down as well. So it's like. All right, so we're supposed to be thinking about their relationship, and she's watching him express emotion. Is that supposed to be serving that plot point as well? He's beating the shit out of Khan, which makes no sense. They they could already have fucking they could already be working on Kirk on the ship. They've got the blood they need. This is fucking mental. It, yeah. None of it, it it doesn't work. <laughs> did you did you notice the uh, like when they were running fighting on that on that thing, and there's a dialogue saying like, "Oh, we can't beam him on board because it because they're moving." Even though they could actually beam on a moving starship, but okay, uh, they yeah. can't beam on board. Like, oh, can, can you can you beam someone on there though? It's like, oh, hang on, how does that work? Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, well, yeah, it's moving though. Well, yes, you'll miss uh, and plummet to a death, <laughs> but I can beam her near it. <laughs> it's just stupid lines to deal with the fact that none of the plot points are properly supported by what they're doing. And again, it's a really, really boring action sequence. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, yeah. I switch off of this as well, this fight sequence. It just, the film's kind of already done by this point. The, the only good bit in the whole thing is, is when um, Michael Giacchino quotes a little bit of the uh, the music from A Mock Time. That's quite a nice little nod. I mean, it's done in a bit of a <clears throat> ham-fisted way, but I, I think it's a, it's a nice nod anyway. Yeah, um... Like I say, there's nothing wrong with the score to this film except what it's scoring. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, but the problem is, it, it really hit me on sequences where, like I say, we were supposed to feel something. And the film was doing it ham-fistedly. So this, you know, moving quote-unquote music with it just sounded lame. But it wasn't that the music's bad. It just can't, it can't transcend really, really bad writing. And, um, yeah, so we end up with Khan, Khan's blood being taken, him being put back into suspended animation, Kirk's death being solved. How long did it take? A fortnight. Don't know how that worked. <laughs> I, uh, also, if... I also hate things like that. We know when someone actually dies, I want it to actually mean something. I want them to stay dead. You know, when, when the moment you kind of like to revive someone who's dead. It's they just sort like, it in it, 10 minutes. Yeah, it's... Or less. It, it, it just feels very redundant. It just feels like it, it's like one of those endings where, and it was all a dream. It's like, well, what's the fucking point? I, you know, I've got. <laughs> yeah. It's a real cop out, isn't it? Yeah, it, that's exactly what it is. It's just a big cop out. It's lazy as well. It it's... wouldn't have been so bad if if that triple moving had just given us some hope. Yeah. Uh, you know, it still wouldn't be great, but you know, to cop out within ten minutes like that is is ridiculous. You could have built up the third film in a kind of like search a spot way where, uh, you know, Kirk is still dead, but there's a chance that he can be revived. Yeah, he's frozen and they're trying to synthesize something. I don't know. 
we're not it's, it's we're not writers, up, but rather these conveniently, people, isn't it? I think it's all kind of the way it just ends like that. It is. Very the much film's got like no that. courage for a film that thinks it's making these dramatically important points. They took the captaincy off him and gave him in back within ten minutes. As I say, Charlie was less than ten minutes away in front of me watching mm. this film, and he got the captaincy back in Charlie's cup before I'd even seen him lose it. <laughs> and then at the end of the film. <coughs> He's revived from death within about the same sort of period. That's embarrassing. And that's the thing when you look you look at what, what the effects this has on the, the franchise now is that they've killed death. They can they, they need starships anymore. Yeah, so you've got to ignore this film. You have to ignore this film. And when you look at Beyond, all the themes call back to the first film. Mm. They've had to ignore this because it's an embarrassment. I wonder and, if 10 uh, years time they'll go back and reboot this film. I hope not. I don't think anyone will. Uh, it's one, it's that it strangest of strange beast. There are films like this. The Dark Knight Rises is another one where yeah. their Rotten Tomatoes scores fairly high. But the, the critical conv- you know, consensus a few years on was not very good. Yeah. Sheen wears off a little bit along the way. I, I, it might be something to do with that. There was a lot of goodwill after the first one as well. And also because Abrams keeps always keeps his films moving... It is quite often afterwards when you think about it. But um, we've got a couple of questions here about, uh, that we ought to, to answer before we go, go on with this and start talking. <laughs> I'm going to hold a couple of questions back because we're going to get on to another point in a minute. But uh, Richard Jenkinson on Facebook asked a serious question. How did Lindelof Kurtzman and Orsi not get hit with a plagiarism charge? I think the easy answer to that is Paramount aren't going to sue themselves. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. that's true. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I know what you're saying, though. Um, I think in, in some respects it might be um, helpful that Nicholas Mayer is not really not credited as writing Star Trek 2. Yeah. Because if Nicholas Mayer had his name on it, I, I suspect he would watch this and say, hey, that's not on. Just, you know, you're copying my dialogue, you're, you know, you're kind of messing up my themes and everything. But yeah, I mean, in reality, they're not going to sue themselves. And Bob Eagle asked, I think this was on Twitter, he said, why change the timeline but keep old man Spock hanging about giving it we did it like this in my day every five minutes? <laughs> Bit of an exaggeration. I would have loved that if Leonard Nimoy had just sort of come into the side of shot every five minutes and gone, we did it like this in my day, and then just scuttled off again. That would have been great. He just got like, you know, Spock and Kirk and all, and the, and the uh, crew just like roll their eyes and go, here we go. <laughs> it's a perfect point about the fact that, that Nimoy says nothing. There's nothing helpful that that, that Spock even says. No, well, he's still off camera literally... as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah he just says, up goes, "Hello." Yeah. <laughs> he's a bit of a badass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So how how did you beat him? It came at a great personal cost. Okay. Okay then. Um. Yeah, just watch the film. Available on Paramount Home Video. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, it's, it's like Spaceballs, isn't it? When, when they when they when they when they stop Spaceballs halfway through and go and get the Spaceballs the video cassette. Yeah, it's a bit like that. <laughs> <laughs> they when, obviously want to be self-referential, but here it's just like really. Yeah, and that was then Spaceballs was actually entertaining. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, we're also asked, given the relative success of the first reboot, is Lindelof the one who screwed the pooch here? And or did Kurtzman or C suddenly remember they were the writers of Transformers? Well, the first one was really, really dumb anyway. Yeah. I just think I, I, Abrams didn't really care. 
I, I, I remember Lindorf getting most of the blame, I think, because of Prometheus as well um, mm. for this. But look, looking at this now, it's clear that I think a lot of it is is a uh, Kurt Seen Ortsman, I think. It's just... Oh, yeah. It's, you know... It's, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> one of them's just bowing the other top. All the time, and the other one's... I forgot the names. I don't know. Kurt Seen Oh dear! They didn't even they didn't even write a part in for Max Nichols. <laughs> the other two, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I think when, when you take into account, but yeah, I, I think J.K. Adams didn't really uh, do with, much. Sure. With with Ortsman and his uh, Ortsman <laughs> and, and and his eleven nine true thing. <laughs> it's eleven. It, no, it's uh, it's his, it's his eleven twelve birthing, Charlie. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't think you can blame Lindelof for this one. I think they were all there. They were all adults. They all take their share of the blame. We're never going to know exactly who wrote what. But consistently, Kurtzman and Orsi have written dumb as shit scripts. How much you've enjoyed those films have, have sort of almost depended on other factors. How, oh, much yeah. of the, how much of the actors transcended it? How good does it look? You know, how much is it a franchise you, you know you're meant to switch your brain off anyway? You know, it has varied. The, the end result and how positively or otherwise I felt about it has varied from film to film. But the fact is, everything they've been involved with, the script's been about the worst part. Mm. So I don't necessarily... I do think that there was a little bit of... I wonder how interested Abrams was this time around. Yeah, yeah. I think he was really bored. Mm. And kind of... I think it was just probably thinking, ooh, Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the film was finished by the time he was given Star Wars, but certainly with the, before this film came out, he he jumped ship to Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm sure he didn't set out to make a bad film. None of them set out to make a bad film. Well, no. And there are people out there who enjoyed this, and that's entirely for your, a matter for you and your conscience. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you enjoyed it, great. But the fact the fact is, um, I, I, not the fact, my opinion is... I think we're going to talk about this when we get to Batman because I think Nolan was a bit the same when we got to The Dark Knight Rises. That there wasn't yeah. quite the same level of interest there, and it kind of shows. And you can almost point to places where it shows. So, uh, the final question that I wanted to ask because we got a couple of silly, jokey questions that I won't bother with. Um, but we got one question here. It's another one from Carly. Says, "Why does why the why, why the hell did anyone think the quote captain's oath was a good idea? Please explain in how in this timeline this makes any sense at all. The timeline is not the problem with this. Kind of. um, no, that's the least of your worries. An oath is where. Well, we know. We, do we all know what an oath is? Yeah. Yeah. It's where you put your hands I up and say, "These are the voyages." Yeah, these are the voyages at the Starship Enterprise. Yeah. yeah. How's that an oath? Um, I don't know why that was a good idea. I think they just wanted to link to that sign-off scene where the ship flies off. They didn't know how to do it, so they had Chris Bind give what was already an extraordinarily cheesy fucking speech to begin with. Mm. And again, it reminds me of Emma Stone in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 when she gives her speech at um, graduation. It's it's a bit like that. It's the same writers. It's, it's like very cheesy, isn't it? no one fucking talks like that. And we remember who we once were. Really? The oath tells us who we once were. The These are the voyages of... How the fuck does that even work? 
And it's the fact that he says it's five-year mission specifically. I think maybe that's a setup. Maybe the next film, because obviously by the time Beyond comes along, is it there three, three? Is it three years there and two the five-year missions? There are about two and a half years. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's the fact that the idea that that setting up the franchise mission is part of the oath. This, this, this yeah, it's silly, isn't it? Even if you changed it for each ship, Mm, even if you just had captains doing a version of that, uh, presumably the, I think of like the Hippocratic oath. Right. Sure. Doctors yeah. take that, you know, and I can't remember. I don't know what's in it, but it is that first sort of do no harm. Basically, they promise to, you know, support, look, you know, basically value life and all the rest of it. I could look it up, but I'm too fucking lazy. But an oath is not something it's something you promise to do. And it's normally something you do at the outset of something. Yeah. Before always, you take I... office, you think of when they swear in a president or something. He's effectively giving an oath. Mm-hmm. I always think of when they do in court. Before they give testimony, yeah, I, 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 I swear yeah. um, on this Bible that I'm going to tell the truth. Yeah, the truth the is not. This is my bullshit. <laughs> yeah. It's not an oath. It makes no sense, and none of it. And and they are very good at writing dialogue that sounds deep but isn't. And they did it for Emma Stone in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. That her speech sounds fine until you think, A, teenagers don't talk like that in any way, shape, or form. And B, when you actually examine the words, they don't mean anything. Because he's saying, you know, the, the, the oath that tells us who we once were. Okay, think about those words for a minute. It tells us who we once were. Now think of the words that follow. What do they tell you about who we once were? It's It's crazy and I, I just what concerns me is that how you've got three writers there all with varying all with a decent level of success you've got jj abrams you've got actors you've got editors you've got people with a track record of success looking at this and not one of them went that makes no no fucking sense that's a bit shit isn't it or that's a well that's not really an oath is it no you know, he could have finished. He could. They could have let him have his bullshit speech, which was bollocks. <coughs> let him have his bullshit speech, and he could have signed it off. You know, we will continue to push the boundaries of humanity, and you know, it, it's not part of a speech, and it's not an oath. And uh, the the ships had a thorough refit to look exactly the same, except to have slightly wider nacelles. Uh, not nacelles, slightly wider um, impulse engines. That's that's mm. all. The ship looks exactly the same. <laughs> Um, yeah. And then at the end, he says, Take us out where they're in space. Yeah, take, take us, us out, out of what? From where? <laughs> where does he want to go? He's Someone like, oh, runs you know. over and unzips him. <laughs> 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 they don't even know where they're going as well. He's sort of like, Well, I trust, you know, your. What, what does he say? Um, you know, basically, I, talk, I put it in your hands. I trust your uh, your decision. And it's like, Well, where, where are they going? Take us out? Where to? Where are they going? I mean, for me, the frustrating thing is, is like we're, we're literally at the start of their five-year mission, which is kind of where he wants to be at the beginning of this film, because we waited for like four years. Like we've just been introduced to the yeah. the new crew, and now in 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 the last film, so now we want to see them actually doing some, you know, star trekking. And we just had this like a yeah. film, we just kind of like a bat peg. <laughs> and your mind, but your mind immediately goes to. I mean, if you're any kind of Star Trek fan. Where you're you're always aware of anniversaries and stuff, a bit like probably we are with Bond. Mm. I'm sat there thinking, well, the next one's got to be 2016 because that's 50 years. They're not going to put one out in two years' time and then 
nothing for the anniversary. So I'm immediately sat there going, right, so we're going to get to the five-year mission seven years after the first film. And And this film was crap, by the way, and I've waited four years for it. No, it's a complete kind of disrespect to fans, really, isn't it, I think? I mean, fair enough having other projects in the way, but it's like, well, come on. Particularly as they immediately handed the director's chair to Orsi. You mean? Yeah, that was yeah. the original plan. They handed yeah. him the director's chair. He he um, ended up bombing himself off Twitter by fucking um, offending everybody, rowing about the depth of this film. Um, he did a first draft. I remember him posting a picture of it, a picture of the front page saying, first draft done. And they booted it and booted him. Don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out. No. <laughs> so it must yeah. have been really bad. Do you wonder what it? What, did they ever get revealed what it was about? What it? Well, the original, the original plan, I think, was some sort of Klingon war thing. But I've heard different things over the years. Of uh, actually, no, he didn't. He took it this way, and it was going to be, you know, some world threat, fucking machine bollocks or something. Oh, right, so going back oh. to Earth again. Fucking Vija again, probably. <sighs> My name is Vija. <laughs> Vija. It's five-year mission. Oh my god, that's its oath. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine like pissing off the fans by doing the Borg? Know, I don't. I don't know what he wrote. The fact is that before I think Beyond had literally come out and they greenlit the fourth. That's not unusual. But they also told us Chris Hemsworth would be in it. Yeah. Which we'll talk more about next week. But they've resurrected that from somewhere. And it does make me wonder if maybe that was the base idea for what he wanted to do. So next week's films was written at absolutely breakneck speed by Simon Pegg and uh, Doug Young. Arguably, I'd say it's better for it. Well, better than what? Better than this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Considerably. But it's a strange beast. I mean, just my final thoughts on it. It's, it is a strange beast. I tried to be fair to this. I always put it on hoping for better or at least not rage. Um, and for the first 45 minutes, apart from the fucking threesome and the give, take the captaincy off him for two minutes, it's it was okay. But then they get off, they get out into space and the film just goes badly, badly wrong. It is a film that gets worse the more you think about it. So if you are able to let it wash over you, then maybe you can just watch it as an acceptable um, action film. But I don't understand how it's got 86% fucking... <clears throat> that's eight, you know, that's nearly nine out of every ten critics going, yeah, this is all right. I think is it really? I, I think there's sometimes there's a weird popular uh, populist thing that happens with critics where they just either like or mass dislike something, you know. Yeah. And we, we see it occasionally with certain films where they just all like, oh, I don't like that, so... <clears throat> and, the, and, the, and the views like reflect that, but as time goes on... It's like it happened with John Carter. Everyone's slating John Carter. John Carter, no, it's not a perfect film, but it's not, it's not it's nowhere near as bad as... The it got was disproportionate yeah. to what it was. Yeah, mm. and the same, same with uh, Warcraft as well, Especially like this year. To this. It's like, you know, that, that got, like, mass bad reviews. Mm. It's almost like every critic decided, oh, I, oh we all hate this, so we're going to give it a bad review. It's like, oh, well, that's not really kind of what the film is. It's just, Sometimes films do get on a runway one yeah. way or another. Because, and what I, this really isn't to revisit what we think of the film, but Spectre is an example because it opened in this country and its reviews weren't as good as Skyfall, but they weren't bad either. When you go and look Skyfall up, I think it's got about 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, something like that. Mm. Skyfall, uh, Spectre was, was hovering around 82 to 84, something like that. Then it opened in America and fucking plummeted. And really, really plummeted. You know and the, it was almost like once once 
once a couple of critics had given it a kicking, they all followed suit. Yeah. I think the same sort of thing happened with The Lone Ranger because that got absolutely shit-canned. And I quite enjoyed it, actually. um, But it's funny because it had a delayed release over here. It was like about a month's gap. Or something, or uh, maybe two months. I can't, I can't remember, but it was a sizable, sizable thing. Uh, by the time that it was actually out for review over here, the the opinion was well, actually it's not bad, not as bad as the yeah. negative reviews was. So that that it, it, that time kind of lap sort of made a difference to the actual reviews that we actually got. So it changed the slant of that so much. So um, it's it's a funny old thing in <laughs> reviews. Uh, in other words, don't trust. <laughs> Initial reviews, you know, knee-jerk mm. reviews, really, but, yeah. But anyway, I mean, that, that's my final thought on it, that it's a film that gets worse the more you watch it and the more you think about it. If you can switch your mind off, maybe it's okay. But it's a film I came out disappointed with, and over the years I've grown to loathe. Well, you know, um, take it no uh, surprise, and I can actually easily switch my mind off. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's basically what I do. I can literally just, like, switch my brain off and just enjoy the ride. Um, I mean... It, Dave is right in everything he says. The moment, the moment you start thinking about this film, it all falls apart, and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So uh, you either just turn your brain off at the door and just like, all right, fuck it, have a few beers, just enjoy yourself, <laughs> or just start just ripping the shit out of it, which is equally as fun. So um, yeah, it, I don't hate it. I just think it's dumb as fucking Star Trek fans deserve better. But you know, as a a blockbuster film. Uh, not associated with Trek, it's okay. Yeah, I would kind of largely agree. Um, like, yeah, it's, it's given to kind of, as you say, if you can watch it in the background or not think too hard on it. Um, but because you may need to do that to enjoy this film, um, that's, that really speaks volumes about it. Um, let's say we're trying to kind of mention the, the pros of it. I think it's obviously some elements of the score uh, are quite interesting. Um, some of the scenes are quite good, some of the visuals are quite good. Um, for me, Cumberbatch, I mean, he, he does see, chew the scenery um, and ham it up, but he, he does quite a good villain, I think. Um, I can't rate him as an actor anyway, but there we are. Um, personal bias out the window. It is, it is quite a big insult to the fans um, and also um, to the Trek series as, as a whole, uh, which is very poor, a very poor show on behalf of the writers, on behalf of you know, the producers who claim to be Trek fans. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say. Conversely, here's Charlie's opinion. <laughs> 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 right. Yeah, this film is trash. Um, I cannot enjoy it on any level. I tried to watch it just as a kind of action film, um, just as a sci-fi film, and it just—it's very drab. It's very boring. The action scenes are all directed very pedestrian. Jay Abrams, who is normally his direction, is normally really kind of enthusiastic and here it just seems like he doesn't give a fuck so why should we um <clears throat> i don't blame him with the writing on here which is just diabolical um the acting's okay some of quinto seems a bit wooden for me urban is going a bit mental on his deforest kelly impression but they're all kind of trying to deal with what the uh, they've been given by script level um and it's a terrible Star Trek film. It's a terrible version of Space Seed and a terrible version of Wrath of Khan. And it's no wonder that everyone is trying to forget it as, as soon as possible. And um, I remember when it came out and there was some kind of Star Trek convention or something and Simon Pegg got really uppity 
because everyone said it was the worst Star Trek film. Um, and I agree. Yeah. Which at the time I thought was, I mean, I, I, whilst I may not put it bottom, I do think there is a case for that. And But at the time, I thought that was hyperbole. I thought it definitely belonged in the bottom half. But I was like, worst? Oh, come on. That's part of that whole sort of everything's the best or the bloody worst in yeah. the world. Come on. But over time, I've come to see it. I do, I do subscribe to a lot of Star Trek pages, and I see an awful lot of, oh, the JJ-verse. And there's a lot of snobbery because there's oh, yeah. a lot of my franchise is far more intelligent than that. Mm. This It wasn't that this film was dumb. It is dumb, and I wish it was smarter. But it was dumb, and it thought it was profound. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to accept that this is what Trek is, at least in the cinema world at the moment. But doesn't mean I have to like it. Next week's is really good. I really like it. And last week's is, was pretty good as well. It's like they've reversed the whole like Trek thing about the, uh, the even um, the even films were... Bet were good and the odd ones were bad. Now it's now, now Abrams is kind of reversed that. Yeah, so now now the odd ones are good, the even ones are bad. Mirrorverse. Yeah, yeah, and of course, as I think I said in a in a previous week, that part of the problem is as well that it's about to go back to the prime timeline. Hmm. On on, uh, I, I think we explained this at the time, but if anyone's listening who doesn't know what we're on about there, the, the very fact that the Kelvin and and Kirk's father was attacked by Nero in the previous film, created an alternate timeline where they've got subtly different technology and um, Kirk and Kirk particularly, but also Spock and others had a slightly different upbringing and all of the rest of it. Now, that was a great way to wipe the slate clean. Uh, a lot of Trek fans are a little bit uppity about that as well because it, it makes them feel like their Trek's not relevant anymore. But having said that, now we're going back to like the original timeline for Discovery. If that's good, then you do start thinking, well, what's the point of this little thing on its own over here? To ever diminishing returns as well. This series hasn't taken the sort of money they want it to. I don't uh, know. This did well, though, didn't it? Into this did this did 467 million worldwide which is decent it's is it decent. among the highest grossing of the trek films it is the highest grossing is it unadjust- yeah i thought it might be the high, highest grossing. unadjusted yeah yeah um i purposely didn't have a fun fact about that but i kind of think it must be up there yeah no no it, it's done well but even then when you look at it they really thought beyond would sort of kick on from that and beyond is the lowest grossing of the three Hmm. So I, I, I think there's a natural ceiling on Star Trek, I'm afraid. And as much as, you know, I think fans kind of like that. Some fans, I'm not speaking for all fans here, by the way, I, I understand that. But I, I, I'm sure there are fans out there that kind of like that. They like it to be a bit exclusive and sort of intellectual rather than that mass marketed Star Wars nonsense. I, I think it could have it could have gone on to be uh, to bigger. Had, had this been a better film, because I think... Once, once this is once they settled on this film, it I think the appetite for it was like, uh, uh it's a bit, it's a bit crap, really. So, by 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 time Beyond came out, I think people were kind of dubious anyway, weren't they? It was like, I don't know, do we really want this? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I will make the point next week. I'm going to be positive about Beyond, not necessarily as positive as Charlie, but I will be positive about it. But the one thing I'll argue is. And I'll, I won't even go into it now. I'm just going to say at a headline level, there's something about it that's not essential. And we'll get to it next week. But um, I like it a lot, but I don't think that this universe is doing an awful lot to drag people in. No. 
I think this is is quite damaging as as a film. Um, I think as we're coming into the new Trek series as well, I wonder if we're in danger of again needing a sort of a five or six year gap and then reboot the whole series again. But I kind of I think I don't it, think the gap helped this though, Becca. No, they they didn't strike while the iron was hot. And like, no, no, say, this is I'll it. defend last week. Hard. In terms of taking, you know, taking a breather, sort of thing. I but, prefer, mm. I, I prefer the smarter TV-based Trek, but I'll mm. defend this. I'll, I'll defend not this, but this universe, and I'll happily defend last work, week as canon Star Trek. This week, I'm looking at it and thinking, this, this now really isn't Star Trek. Uh, but people say that I think almost as a knee jerk, because you know I, I've heard people say it about all of this. Or beyond it, it didn't. It didn't gross very well because it was rubbish and the JJ verse and blah, 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 blah. the fact is, just because it changes or it's not your Star Trek, there's plenty of Star Trek out there that was preachy and a bit stupid. By and large, though, it was superior sci-fi with some thought behind it. Sure. Now, it's not that there's no thought behind these films. There is thought. It's just not very good thought, and it, everything is done at 100 miles an hour with everyone screaming at each other. And I could do with that being just taken down a notch. But if Discovery works, I don't know if that will... I don't know if it will help or hurt this universe. I'm looking forward to it. Either way, it sounds interesting how it's shaping up at the moment. So It has to be good. It we'll has know more to work. when we get there. Yeah. This, a film of this sheer quality must have some <laughs> very interesting facts. Funny you should say that. No, I was trying to find out a couple of uh, you know, facts that were more fun than this film. Um so you'll, you'll have to I kind thought of just... it's more cop fun than this film. Yeah, this, you'll have to hear me out. Right. <laughs> um, no, some fun facts I was able to find out about this film was that, um, amazingly enough, Benicio Del Toro uh, was the first choice to play Khan. Um, would have been a much better Khan. Why he turned it down? It would have been a much better Khan. I mean, Cumberbatch is, is great. Um, he does he does do a nice sort of villainous turn. But I think just in terms of his physicality, it would have been more menacing Khan. Um, and okay, I'm not going to say what I was going to say, um, but anyway, it would have been a better con. Um, but no, he was going to gonna say something racist, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, there was a particular expression that I wanted to use, and I can't remember what it is. It's gone out of my head. It was um, racist, listeners. You should hear the it shit. Becca says, "I'm fine." It's like oh. Jesus. If I'm blind, then bloody hell. It was honeymoon. Honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> We've sent a Frank Bruno as therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. That's really bad. Um, no. My favourite fun fact is, obviously everyone knows this, but I love the fact how he auditioned for the role on his iPhone. Like, he just literally, Spielberg sort of mentioned him, so look, if, you know, we had this Cumberbatch guy, I directed him in Warhorse, let's give him a go. And so he literally goes, I think he's in his mate's kitchen, and he's kind of climbs up his ladder, does his does his um, audition on his iPhone, sends it across, and woohoo! So. I'm, I'm laughing because I'm just imagining them accidentally casting the horse. No, I think that's a brilliant story. There's something so I mean, easy. Spock would never have caught <laughs> How not to do an audition, or conversely, you know, how to do it by, a, by the skin of your teeth and still get the part. Um... But anyway, from fact number two, I have. Um, yeah, we talked about how impressive some of the visuals are. Um, Did we? You, you, you can <laughs> me. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, we meant to for the sake of this fact. 
Oh no, no, you mentioned it, but like. Hang on a minute, Becca. <clears throat> hey, the visuals were interesting, weren't they, Chris? <laughs> oh, definitely. Really yeah, well, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a huge <laughs> fan of lens flare every five seconds. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, you, you, David, you commented earlier about the post-production um, 3D. Yes. Um, this is like one of the first films, if not the first film, to be shot in the IMAX format and then converted into 3D in post-production. Um, so that's quite interesting, I think. Um, there's a scene between Scotty and a well, the dim guard who's like, oh yeah, show us your other hand. And that's obviously a reference to James Doohan having lost a finger on one of his hands, being a war hero. Surely um, it would have been more of a reference if he'd given him the finger. Well, exactly, yeah, <laughs> literally. Here you are, I've got one. Right. Yeah, obviously we mentioned how awful the scenes on Connors are. Um, Michael Dorn was um, scheduled to appear but obviously he was left on the cutting room floor and then dropped out. Um, as it... That would have been mental. <laughs> that would have been really crazy. But I think obviously they were like, well, he's just going to take audience out of it having, you know, having Wolf there. And it's like, well, really? <laughs> but it's fine when Spock goes, <laughs> Exactly, exactly. I don't know, so, yeah, but like think... having actual Lemon Nimoy turn up just like as yeah. well. <laughs> that doesn't take you know... people out of the film. No, right, okay. <laughs> Say... Yeah, yeah, we can't tell you anything, but hang on a minute. But hold on a minute, let me just reveal. Let me just character. explain something to you. Uh, that that's not even on screen either. So, <laughs> no, I just think that's ridiculous how they kind of shoehorn Nimoy in. I mean, it's, it's good that he's there, but he serves no whatsoever. <laughs> but you know, it's nice to see him. Hello, you know. I loved Leonard Nimoy, but he had no place being here. It's just a new narrative purpose for it. I mean, they handed the baton over in the last there. film, and now they're sort of wrestling over it. No, that's it. So why have him in and then have somebody like Michael Dorn come in that's obviously not off-putting having both Spot Prime and Wolf there. Fuck it, let's just get the anyway. whole generation cast back in. Like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and on that He's note... He's cute! <laughs> He's cute. <laughs> so we go, ooh. Cameo by a bald drone there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mentioning other cast members and my final fun fact is that um, Christopher Dorn has a in this film, you see him next to um, Simon Pegg, obviously current Scotty, um, as a transport officer, is his credit. So, yeah, they're kind of getting other cast members back, but by virtue of their being relatives. So that's my fun facts for Into Darkness. Yeah, this, this film had no commentary. It had all the making of uh, were sort of um, just technical things, how they did certain sequences. I, it's almost like no one wanted to talk about this film at That's all. quite telling, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the extras on the last film were pretty pretty decent. There was a decent commentary. What do we have for the Blu-ray for Beyond? I've not actually, I've bought it, but I've not actually opened it yet. Let's have a look. It's sat there with your Rocky discs. One it, it is, it's waiting to be cracked open. Yeah. Well, Rocky discs are bought used, so I can't. That's really bad, the text is so dark, we can't read it. I don't think there's a lot on there, actually, either. I have. I don't think... Oh, well, deleted scenes, yeah. story origins, Enterprise, takedown, destroying Nikon, again. Yeah. The, the, How many the, times get, does it get blown up? You'll get the, through the special features in about 45 minutes. Well, and Anton. Oh, that's going to be sad. Um, I just have to have the tissues ready. So, yes, yeah, so that's my fun fact. Sorry, we're all just stunned with our, you know, with too much fun, you know, and, and facts. My brain's got to process it. Yeah. <laughs> 98, 99, 100. That, that, yeah. that, was kind, that was kind of peak factage. <laughs> <laughs> I really had a tough time with this one. I just, bloody hell. Got you didn't like it much, about. did you? I love the way, because you were talking, we do talk on social media sometimes before we sort of get on here. 
and you said, I, I, you said something along the lines of, I used to like it, but now <laughs> having seen Spacey and The Wrath of Khan, like this, this film's an insult. <laughs> <laughs> That's putting it mildly. <laughs> no, um, it's a bit of a slap on the face, as, as we've said. So where can the good people find us on social media? You can find me at the Pasty Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Cinematronics on Twitter, and you can also find uh, my website, which hosts this podcast, at cinematronicsco.uk. Uh, you can find me at Movie Drone and uh, website at moviedrone.thedigitalfix.com. And you can find us on Twitter at the Expected to Talk or Facebook.com slash Expected to Talk, um, YouTube slash Do You Expect Us to Talk. Uh, you can always send us an email if you want, um, by the usual address. And also you can search for us on iTunes and on Stitcher. Um, obviously with iTunes, don't forget to give us a five-star ranking, please, because that helps us to climb higher in the charts and attract more listeners. Thank you. Kiss, kiss. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah. Back, back, back and flirting with less listeners there. Okay, fine. <laughs> We can get more that way, hopefully. I'm, I'm only offering a firm handshake, guys, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Valentine's Day is coming, don't well, you a firm know? hand, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chris enjoys a 99 occasionally. <laughs> Charlie's offering a 69. <laughs> and I just like to walk. He's the dirtiest out of all of us, don't you know? <laughs> Dave just wants to be loved. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In your, in your best Suggs impression, what's next? Do you expect to talk? We'll return with Star Trek Beyond. <laughs>